and welcome back to Hash It Out. We apologize for not releasing our earlier episode this month like we'd planned. Between last week's tunnel of oppression and trying to stay up on our coursework, we were honestly just too busy to do our planned episode any real justice. Right. We will still have an episode on the history of abortion, but you'll have to keep up with our other release dates to find out when. We did discuss releasing it today instead of the episode you're listening to now, but I pushed really hard to keep this episode on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Of course you did. <laughs> to absolutely no one's surprise. We're going to be talking about Native American issues today. And I know I say this every time, but I'm really honestly excited to do this episode. Mm-hmm. As you're aware, it's about Manifest Destiny. Of course, Manifest Destiny is a great topic. And according to the definition, well, the dictionary definition of what Manifest Destiny is, it is the 19th century doctrine or belief that the expansion of the U.S. throughout the American continent was both justified and inevitable. Which is to say, basically, that the white settlers thought they had a God-given right to destroy Native American cultures and nations in pursuit of westward expansion. Yep. The issue we're exploring today, though, isn't about the historical concept per se, but instead we're, instead we're trying to highlight how prevalent and dangerous the philosophy still is today. Yeah, I mean, we're taught about Manifest Destiny as a concept of like the 1800s. Exactly. But the thing is, its legacy is like undeniable. Mm-hmm. So first it was used to excuse massacres and attempted genocide. Then John Chivington, a freaking pastor <coughs> who became a colonel in the army, said kill and scalp them all, big and little. Nits make lice. Okay, that's, that's... Yeah, yeah, he meant it literally. He was directing his soldiers to kill babies since they would eventually become adults resisting colonization. Sick. It is. And then when infanticide fell out of fashion, it became kill the Indian to save the man. That's where they stole children from their families, Mm -hmm. forced them into Christian boarding schools, cut their hair, beat them if they spoke their mother tongue, and forced them to assimilate. It's ridiculous. We consistently hear about these stories, but the stories don't really do justice to the horrific um, conditions these people were put into. Exactly. And of course, it didn't end there. Of course not. I mean, this is America. And as late (laughs) as the 1970s, the American government was funding doctors for every woman they sterilized without their consent or knowledge. So in the 70s, we found out essentially. But the 70s was also the same decade that Native Americans were finally allowed to legally practice their religion. And we do still see the ripple effect today. Think of art depicting Native Americans. It's rarely done by Native American artists. And the non-Natives who portray them They love to fetishize the 1872 native riding a horse, screaming a war cry. We've frozen Manifest Destiny in the past and put natives there as well. Where exactly can we see Manifest Destiny playing out today in 2017? Well, let's start with the elephant in the room, Thanksgiving. (laughs) Okay, so now Thanksgiving is a holiday practiced differently throughout the world. But we're referring specifically to the American Thanksgiving that happens here. Yes, absolutely. So, Judith, I'm curious, what is your experience with Thanksgiving as a Ghanaian American? Okay, so my family, in a way, celebrates Thanksgiving. Okay. But it's not really in the traditional sense where, like, everyone gathers and everyone cooks food and all their family comes together. Um, I mean, there is that aspect of it's literally just the nuclear family that's in the U.S. And even nowadays, that's not even what's happening in my family particularly. 
Um, but for the most part, we celebrated Thanksgiving in the beginning and currently now because that's just something people do. It's just something okay. that in America everyone does. So you get that Thursday, Friday off. Just exactly. make food, basically. Um, so we don't... If people in Ghana had to have a form of Thanksgiving, that's not necessarily what we're doing here in America. So we don't have a historical tie to it besides the fact that it's just another day that America has giving you the day off. It's like how we have Columbus Day off or... Which will come into play later. We will. Like, we have Columbus Day off or we have Martin Luther King Jr. Day off. Like, generally, people who are black Americans or just people of color in America understand the, the understanding, the background behind it, MLK most of yeah. the time, where they appreciate that day off. But then we have other people who don't really appreciate it for the context but because it's just there that's just what it yeah. is so that's kind of what thanksgiving is to my family in my opinion now that you're americans you yeah. do what americans do yeah okay it's like See, when in rome do us the romans exactly and i think that's a really important perspective because to me it highlights what thanksgiving really is so sure my family does have our traditions like we eat a large dinner after prayer even though none of us are particularly religious but it's just what we do mm -hmm. that's how it is in my family i've never been a big fan of holidays in general I try to opt out whenever I can mm -hmm. but that's just how my family does it and it's how we've always done it neither of us celebrate Thanksgiving because we want to honor pilgrims yeah I don't think anyone does no one goes to Thanksgiving in honor of some pilgrims that they knew back in the day right honestly it's not about the pilgrims and Indian story, but we have it tied to a cultural myth about Native American. I don't know those people. Right. And if they were part of the attempted genocide of Native Americans, I don't think I'd want to honor those people. Right. But that's the thing about Thanksgiving. Like, we don't think of it as the pilgrim Indian holiday, but that's what we're like taught about that it, really you know? Is, like in elementary school and kindergarten, we do the whole like, exactly. uh, little parades. And yeah, the... in my elementary school, we celebrate Thanksgiving prior to our school break by decorating headbands, well, a strip of construction paper that we glued and then sat on our head with feathers. I think we did that too. We were making headdresses. We absolutely did that on the south side of Indianapolis. Boys even drew swastikas on them in fifth grade because they'd been told it was a so-called Native American symbol. Um, no, that's just, I mean, prior to, you know, Nazism and that genocide, yeah. it was, it's, it just means, like, peace or something it's with Indians. actually... Actual Indians, not yeah, Native Americans. That's the thing, <laughs> like, it goes back to that inefficiency of our language, yeah. because I even had a college professor here who knew that I was involved in Native American studies talk about how she found her grandmother's quilt in the attic and it had a swastika on it, and she told me that it was because her family was Native American, and I'm like... What does that have to do? What? No, it's because they think that swastikas are a Native American symbol because they hear it's an Indian symbol. No. 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 Yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> but here's the thing. Much like trying to reclaim the swastika with heavy air quotes on that one, you just can't see it. <laughs> Thanksgiving's cultural mythological origin is not about being grateful for what we have. So the story goes that Native Americans welcomed the pilgrims with open arms who had washed up on the coast and fed them as gracious hosts. Glad to have the white colonists as guests. So obviously that's not how it happened. But it's a convenient story, isn't it? It's true. 
When I was younger, I really did like those little videos that they make. Right, the like little animated videos. I remember one so clearly where literally you saw brown men with, what are those sarongs almost? Those things like the, their like skin's deep brown. Yes, mm -hmm. then they have on a loincloth and they greet these literal like white people in buckled hats and stuff. That's literally the image we conjure up when we talk about the yeah. origins of Thanksgiving, even though we know it's not true. Right. What and it the does, paintings. exactly. What it does, it teaches children that the Native Americans who they're also taught live exclusively in the past and don't exist today. Mm -hmm. They're taught that those Native Americans welcome the colonialists to their lands, which helps us claim that we were the good ones, mm -hmm. helps us make them seem almost two-faced and led so-called war against the colonialists after willingly trading their land for like a bead. That's what I was taught, seriously, that natives traded their land for a single bead and then wanted it back, hence the term Indian giver. And even if they welcome them onto their land, that doesn't mean I welcome genocide. Exactly. And the other thing is, if I see a bunch of random people I've never seen in my whole life, I'm not welcoming nobody. Right. I'm welcoming you with a knife to your neck. We don't condone That's a violence strong. here. But I mean, it's war basically. Random people just they come didn't onto know your land. It was war. Okay, you're telling me this is like <laughs> 1705. You've never seen any pale people before. They're coming at you with guns and stuff. And just no. No. Okay, so. Off topic, <laughs> Judith is trying to survive out here, guys. Maybe if they would have went out and we wouldn't, genocide wouldn't happen. Hey, I can give a lecture on how wrong that is. <laughs> it's a I, what if statement. I know, and it gets brought up a lot, so to touch on the topic. Yeah, go ahead. No, for real, when people argue, well, why didn't they just band together and dismantle the colonialists? Oh, they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what was happening. They did not expect the colonialists to come in and start slaughtering them and raping them and killing their babies. And, you know forcing them into land that they'd never lived on. Exactly, but Stealing people also forget them it wasn't one Native American group living on North America. Right. There, was there were hundreds, thousands, thousands of nations. That would be like somebody saying, well, why doesn't Italy, France, Germany band together and defeat whoever? Oh. They're different, different cultures, nations. Different government settings. Exactly. Different ways of living. Some of them could have been nomadic, others could have been, uh, what's the term when you stay in one place? Oh my God, I don't know. Like I said, some of them could be nomadic, <laughs> the other ones not. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> but this whole cultural narrative of it's their fault, they yeah. did us wrong, it's not a new tactic by any means. Right, so it's um, exactly what they did with Pocahontas, right? Totally. When the film was being developed, a ton of Native Americans signed on because they thought that representation would be great. Mm -hmm. I'm talking people like Russell Means, who was a phenomenal member of the American Indian movement. Mm -hmm. He, I think, voiced the chief, maybe, but they thought it was going to show little Native girls that they exist, too, and that they were worthy of immortalization in the Disney canon of princesses. Are there even princesses in the Native American culture? No, they, they aren't. They aren't monarchies, right? Exactly. Uh, not at all, but that's not even the worst. Pocahontas wasn't torn between her culture and loving John Smith or Rolf or whoever. Yeah, definitely not. So if I remember my history correctly, Pocahontas was about, what, nine? So she was basically a child. She was a child. Yeah, and John Smith's claim that she laid her head down for her father to strike would have occurred when she was 
nearly 10 years old. Yeah. She was captured by the English forces when she was 16 at the earliest, which was when she was married off to John Rolfe, yep. supposedly converted to Christianity, and became a celebrity in England for being a civilized savage. For all of you who are obviously <laughs> listening, because this is only audio, I'm doing air quotes. So Air quotes civil, and rolled eyes. Yeah, civilized savage. Yeah. So... Not only does John Smith or Rolf or whichever, whoever claimed that like her dad was about to bash his head in, but she laid her head down and saved him. He like, claimed that that happened when she that. was 10 years old. That's a problem. And then, okay, she wasn't 10 years old when she was stolen from her family and married off to a white man. That still seems kind she of She was rapey. still 16. I just said it sounds rapey. <laughs> that look wasn't for you. It was for the invisible audience. <laughs> But yeah, then she becomes immortalized in Disney, but she's just a member of the flora and fauna backdrop. It's like, she's the background to the new America. And right. I'm pretty sure she's the only so-called princess who can speak the same language as the animals. Because even Cinderella couldn't talk to her mice. Seriously? Yeah, like the mice talked among themselves and fixed her dress. Mm. Snow White, she doesn't speak the same language as the birds. They just like come and help her do housework, but the trees talk back to Pocahontas. Her grandmother is a tree. For real though, it makes Pocahontas, her family, seem as though they're just pieces of the land. That's what the word native actually refers to. Right. Native means of the land. It's a convenient way for us to pretend that they were the background of the building of our nation. All right, so. In real life, for those of you who don't know, Pocahontas actually died at 20 with one son. So this is four years after she was taken, married yep. off, and forced to live in England. John Rolfe abandoned their son. Okay, that's extra sickly. Yeah, um, he just and, wanted to continue raising money yeah. for the settlement of Jamestown where he met Pocahontas and took her from her family. Yeah. And now she's frozen in time as a heavily sexualized and exotic princess. I mean, even just look at Halloween. Right? Pocahontas. Yeah, Come I don't on. see a lot of Cinderella's on Halloween. I don't think I've seen a lot of Snow White's. I know they're popular cosplay figures. Mm -hmm. But come on, the Pocahontas costume is everywhere. It is ubiquitous. You know, the only other princess I've seen as a Halloween costume is Jasmine. I know that because I dressed up as Jasmine when I was like five or six. I'm seeing a pattern here, girl. It's the women of color. Exactly. Took the words right out of my mouth. Okay, that movie made me mad because I got really ex off topic, guys. But I was really excited when they're like, oh, we're going to have our first black princess. Exactly. And the movie is great. It's fine. It's okay. But the fact that, like, they had to base it in America in the 1930s, right. gr like, a great story. I'm not going to lie. But if you're going to have the first black princess, why can't it be of another culture? Exactly. Like, there are so many different, well, historically, I'm not sure if they're like, the reference to princess works. Yeah. But there are enough African or people of color in other parts of the world yes. that could have worked just as well, had probably even a better story. It doesn't have as to a, be the first black princess. Exactly. It doesn't have to be a black princess in America who's secretly an animal the whole time. Right. That doesn't I don't make really any think sense. it was secretly because we saw her as an animal the whole time. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> you can tell I don't keep. You can tell I don't keep up on my Disney. I never actually watched I thought, that movie. 
No, I thought the it prince was, was a frog the yes. whole time, I think. And she was trying to, like, get him to turn into a human, but she turned into a frog. Yeah, because the, there was a, a witch doctor, which, by the way, was a little a little shady for me. Like, they made it seem right? like if you're a witch doctor or anything magical that you're an evil man. But, like, I mean, that dude was evil, but that has nothing to do with his witch doctor powers. Exactly. I didn't even see that whole movie. <laughs> I like, And I have such I don't a strong keep up opinion. on my Disney. They're starting to but, piss me off. I know. It's... It's getting on my nerves because this is a recurring pattern and yeah. they're not fixing it. That's the issue for me. And telling Pocahontas' story as a native woman desperate to help the white man escape death and bridge her tribe with the English, it's just a way for us to feel better about those atrocities we inflicted on natives. Because if Pocahontas could be who she was, why couldn't other natives just convert to Christianity and become white? Right. We were justified in doing what we did to them. To a lot of Native Americans, Pocahontas and Thanksgiving aren't honorable or worthy of reverence. Thanksgiving is an institutionalized reminder that their lives were worth less than the new Americans. And Pocahontas is a story of a child bride. There are a lot of ways that non-Native people codify anti-Indigenous racism into the larger and literal official and legal system. Speaking of course, Columbus Day. Yeah. Columbus Day is probably the biggest, like, most flagrant example. Because, okay, all history students, anybody who's taken a history class, we know that Columbus didn't set foot on our continent that day. And let's be real, to be credited as discovering a land that was already inhabited is pretty generous. Especially since the Vikings found North America first. Exactly. And Columbus... Okay, he so never set foot on our continent. Never. And he set foot in the Caribbean. So if anything, the Caribbean should be called Colombia or right. Columbus. What and drives me crazy is that it's like the perfect example of the mediocre white man getting the credit for doing what natives have been doing all along. Right. I mean, or even just the Vikings. Let's give the credit to the Vikings. Give the credit to anyone else. Right. Because they just came and lived. They didn't come to conquer fully. Exactly. So what's the point of honoring Columbus Honestly, like, why do we do it as a society? Historically, like, okay, so in elementary schools today, it's all about learning about the origins of America, which is already a fallacy. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it wasn't an official holiday until the 1900s when it became an official holiday that was used as an excuse to promote patriotism among Americans. Exactly. It's just another way to assert manifest destiny and the inherent right of Americans to this land, which the connection to the 1900s um, and promoting patriotism among Americans really makes sense in that aspect because that's the same, around the same time that we started doing a lot of pledging of allegiance. Exactly. All adding uh, in God we trust. Yeah, making it, it started making it seem like if you weren't fully behind these motions that you yep. were unpatriotic when in reality for the longest time to be an American you didn't have to blindly be a patriot. Yes. But and now we were blindly wanting people to, to follow the movements in this country. As exactly. If, if we don't then you're a ter terrorist to your yeah. own country or you're just you, you don't belong here. And Find another place. But. Even in God we trust on our currency the Pledge of Allegiance in schools Columbus Day those things were all added as a reaction to, and I'm not joking, the Red Scare. Seriously? Yeah, they were responses of, let's homogenize our culture and make everybody feel patriotic Americanism so that there's not dissent. I mean, it didn't really work because we still had a lot of Soviets in America. Yeah. Except, what was Donald that Trump. one guy? <laughs> <laughs> who was that one guy who 
kept lying and said that he had a list of people. Joseph McCarthy. Yes, yeah. McCarthy, that witch hunt. It was, but I did want to share a perspective on the holiday of Columbus Day from the blog of the museum I work at, The Idol Jorg, that one of our Native American curators wrote. Yeah, go ahead. So I won't read all of it, but I do want to read a portion. So this is by Doreen Redcloud, an Oglala Lakota Sioux woman. She is a curator of Native American art and artifacts at the Idol Jorg. She said, every Columbus Day, observed and actual, I wear all black clothing, for it is a day of mourning, in my opinion. Exactly. Columbus brought genocide, rape, and just plain cruelty yeah. when he landed in the Caribbean. I don't blame her. It has to be painful to know that your country, your home, supports the celebration of a person who's a figurehead for the attempted extinction of your people. Absolutely. I mean, she closes her post with the phrase, so the true celebration is in our resiliency and survival, our strength and perseverance, and our sense of humor and personalities. No, that's not bad. I know. It's important to me that people hear her words because in the end, I can't share her labor of existing as a Native American woman, no matter how much work I do. But her words are so powerful, just incredible to hear. And I don't understand how people can support Columbus Day knowing what she said. I'll post a link to that mm -hmm. op-ed in the description because it's so important to hear her perspective on how Columbus Day, when she says both real and actual or holiday and actual, she means we celebrate Columbus Day every second Monday of October. October 12th was the day that he kind of stumbled onto the Caribbean. Okay. Those two days for her are both Columbus Day. Right. And both of those days, she will wear black. She doesn't wear gold because that's why Columbus tried to slaughter millions. Right. And what she wants to do, promote Indigenous Peoples Day, essentially. Okay. So... The sad part is that people will continue to support it because they've, it, it, it goes to the whole concept of why we, some people don't want to take down certain statues in this country. Yeah. They believe it has a historical aspect to it and it shouldn't be removed. And in reality, the history behind what they believe is a historical artifact is incorrect. But exactly. That's like, another I got, story for another day. Well, I did get into an argument with somebody about a Confederate statue because they said, well, how are people going to learn about history? And I was like, you have books. I, that's what I was saying. I was like, well, I didn't know that every third grade history class has to go to that specific monument to learn about that right. civil war. And plus the other aspect of it that people don't know, and I recently found out, is that a lot of these statues were mass produced. Yeah. That's the reason why they crumple so easily. Yeah. They were mass produced. They're not, like, they were not created right after it's not the an Civil War. It's not an artistic piece. Yeah, and they weren't created right after the Civil War to promote remembrance of that war. They were put up later on to promote return to the honorific of those men. I don't even know if it's even that. I would say they were prom they were promoted and put up to instill fear that in the too. black community. And you are completely right. That's really the aspect of it. It, it has no historical uh, reference to just remembering what has happened before. Because before people... I knew that, I was like, it's just a historical monument. Exactly. We really shouldn't be trying to remove them. But they're mass produced. It's not like it's the Statue of Liberty or... Um, Which isn't even American. And I mean, it, it, it was a <laughs> gift, okay? It was a gift. Well, that's the thing. Like, people want to argue, well, it's history. Yeah, so support Indigenous Peoples Day, the actual history of America. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's a number of states and cities who support and celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. Let's hope that the number continues to grow. 
Yes, absolutely. In the end, Columbus is a figure we use to promote and protect American identity that rejects people of color from our land. Basically, really what we need to be doing is using him as a remembrance of what not to do if you ever, exactly. I don't know, decide to go to space and find <laughs> places. Oh my God. Just saying, don't, don't go to a place, name the people, and then try to kill him for something. And speaking of our land. This is one of my favorite topics, and you know it, so I'm going to give a little background info for context. Yep, let's get it moving. So, what many people fail to realize is that Native Americans don't all live on reservations. But even people who think that aren't informed on what exactly a reservation is. So people most likely believe that reservations are a gift of some sort. They absolutely do. And people think that Native Americans were so-called granted their lands. The issue is that nearly no schools teach about treaties. So treaties are government-to-government -government documents. I can't sign a treaty with the government because I am a person. The Native Americans who signed treaties didn't do so as individuals, but as their own nations and government. Many of those treaties contain provisions for not just land, but educational support for their children and other benefits for the tribe. And treaties are even how federal recognition was determined, which is why the federal government broke so many while not a single tribe broke their treaty. These lands aren't being mortgaged by natives. And they, on a tiny note before we keep it moving, mm -hmm. earlier we talked about the terminology Indian giver. Yeah. It really should be called white man giver. Right? <laughs> because that's the thing. What they did, they signed treaties with other governments. Mm -hmm. The same way that Canada could sign a treaty with America. Yep. Then they based federal recognition of these nations on the treaties themselves. And then the white federal government deliberately broke the treaty. And it was Which, only whenever they found good resources on that said land. Exactly. So the Miami of Indiana, for example, signed the 1818 Treaty. Mm -hmm. Within 50 years, the federal government had broken it, and the Miami of Indiana are still fighting for federal recognition. So these lands, they aren't American lands leased to natives. They're native lands within American borders. Mm -hmm. They were created by the treaties, which can only be signed by sovereign governments, which means a government governing itself. Let's repeat that. Native Americans and whatever tribe they're in and whatever treaty they have signed are their own government. Exactly. It's not like me as a person in America. It's like America and Italy or... Yeah. Canada to Spain. America to Mexico. Exactly. It is government to government. This ties in really well to the issues of the pipelines. It does. It's a really visible topic right now. But I think people also have misconceptions about pipelines specifically based on those misunderstandings of treaties and nations. Kind of find us kind of weird because this issue of pipelines has been going on since I was in high school. Absolutely. You would think the issue would be over by now. But really, the issue comes down to the fact that it's not a matter of eminent no domain over private property. So saying my house or apartment is private property, but reservations are not private property or even American property. Exactly. So to be very clear, the Standing Rock Sioux, who have been protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline, no, that pipeline is not going through their actual reservation. But people think it is and still say that they that the federal government has eminent domain. They don't. That's like saying America has eminent domain over Canada. But when the Standing Rock Sioux protests the installation of DAPL, 
Dakota Access Pipeline. Mm -hmm. It isn't because they refuse to modernize or want out of their obligations. It wasn't even originally planned to come near their reservation. Yeah, so it started out going near Bismarck. And guess why? The 95% white community of Bismarck rejected the pipeline. Because it posed a threat to their water supply. So it was rerouted to avoid their complaints, which is kind of ironic because once the people of color start rejecting yes. because of they have complaints, oh, well, it's too late, it's, it's, not, it's fine. Exactly. You'll be fine, your water won't be damaged. Lies. Exactly. All lies. Yes, and when the Native Americans there protest, it isn't so that the developers will move it elsewhere. Like the white folk in Bismarck knew, it's dangerous and can easily pollute water. They're not, the Standing Rock Sioux are not trying to get the developers to move it back to Bismarck. They're right. trying to get them to think through, why are we transporting crude oil? Right. Why are we still relying on fossil fuel? From what I heard at some point, it might have been a different pipe, pipeline that I'm confusing. It might have been KXL, Keystone XL. Okay, might have been that one. Yeah. But let's say that the pipeline, this particular one, the da Dakota Access Pipeline, yeah. is Canadian. America isn't going to make any money off of this crude exactly. oil. And the money that Americans make off of building the pipeline aren't, the it's jobs aren't... Long term, uh, long term, sustainable. They, they will not be uh, counted very, like, they'll be counted, oh, we made 100,000 jobs, right? But exactly. you're going to be out of that job in six months. Yep. Um, America won't make any of the money from making this pipeline. The money will go to the company or yep. whichever um, entity owns the pipeline. Exactly. But once that pipeline bursts, guess what happens? Americans will foot the bill to fix whatever issues happen. Yeah, so we'll make jobs which are cleaning up oil spills. So guess what, Judah? <laughs> what? It already leaked. Oh my God, what? Where, huh? Yep, in May of this year, 2017, it spilled 84 gallons of crude oil. Is that, did you just say a slight amount of 84 <laughs> gallons? Can you imagine how much money I would pay for 84 gallons of like unleaded fuel at a gas station? <laughs> oh crap, that's like $300. Yeah, but to them it's nothing. And that's the thing, it impacts more than just the Sioux. The Dakota Access Pipeline's official website, which is so, oh my gosh, it scares me with how propaganda-centric it is. It is. Yeah. Like, I'm not joking, it's like focused solely on, well, it's not even the Standing Rock Sioux who are rejecting it, it's extremists who don't want fossil fuels at all. Literally, that is a talking point on their website. I mean, what's so wrong with not one fossil fuels? We right. got all this renewable energy out here, why can't we use and that? And suddenly we're extremists. <laughs> but their website makes a point to note that their water source will be 70 miles away from the pipeline. What is 70 miles? That's nothing and to pollution. guess why it's 70 miles away? Why? Because it was moved. The water there already, the Sioux were getting their water supply from, mm. yeah, it might get polluted, but I mean, who knows, who cares? Apparently, it doesn't matter because they forced the reservation to get their water elsewhere. They moved it. They moved the water source specifically so that the Sioux could not complain about it being so close to their water source. What even is being close to a water source? Right? Water comes from the ground, correct? Yes. If oil is polluting the water in the ground, the yeah. no matter how far away it is, it can still get into the water supply. This pipeline crosses four states. It's not just the Dakotas. It comes all the way to Illinois. And we want to talk about Flint, Michigan. Mm. Which, yeah, Flint, Michigan is a huge deal, but the Navajo Nation, which is as large as West Virginia, they haven't had clean water in almost a decade now? Yeah. That's a human rights violation. Exactly. The Navajo Nation has been without clean water for that long. And I completely oh, respect that we need attention on Flint as well. Exactly. 
But we don't even have attention on the Navajo Nation at all. We don't even have attention on things that came after Flint either. Right. Like we, um, New all Orleans. The, yeah. All of a sudden, Flint's just not on our radar, but they still don't have water. But And they still have to pay their water bill for exactly. like three years. Yes. It's like, I'm no, I'm defaulting on that. Come for at real. me, bro. No. Ugh. Like, yeah, I'm going to pay for this water that poisoned my child and maybe they'll be sick for the rest of their life. And that's really what these issues come down to for Native Americans. This is an issue of historical trauma. That's ridiculous. These Native Americans today are carrying literal trauma in their bodies and the spiritual dimension of ancestor trauma. Mm -hmm. Just like how people in my family, we would not be able to rest if we thought that my grandfather's burial was improper. Mm -hmm. Think about how that is for Native Americans. Right. Getting back to the initial topic we are kind of on earlier, the pipeline, is that <clears throat> when we're bringing in the Native American aspect or the... The Standing Rock Sioux, yeah, the, the Dakota Access Pipeline, all of those issues. Yeah. Um, we need to make it clear that the protesting of the pipeline isn't a Native problem. Yes. It's a human problem. Not having clean drinking water is a human rights violation. And it and with that it's an environmental issue. Yes. And it doesn't help us stop relying on fossil fuels. It just seems like a bad idea entirely. But because of anti-indigenous racism, it's easy to convince people to ignore the issues in favor of promoting the status quo. Exactly. But we should try to do a decent summary so that people can have a solid grasp of the argument. We touched on a lot of topics today, but they were very important. Absolutely. So, obviously, this release date was not an accident. So, it's something to chew on while you're eating your Thanksgiving leftovers. I really want to be clear here. We're not attacking family traditions or Thanksgiving as a holiday. It's not asking non-Native folk to be ashamed or feel guilty. But, guys, we aren't there and we aren't pilgrims. I mean, I'm damn sure I'm not a pilgrim. I'm kind of a black person if you didn't know. <laughs> We have no need to cling to this idea of pilgrims and Indians. We aren't honoring anyone, not Native Americans who faced attempted genocide or even the pilgrims, whose actual story is nothing like what we're telling. We're fictionalizing it. If you want to respect the pilgrims, do so for something else, their ingenuity in departing from their homes. Right. So keep e eating your turkey, your hams, your chicken. I don't know what people do on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Um, and give thanks if that's what you do. And if you have to, if you honestly have to, <laughs> go shop on Black Friday. Buy me a nice gift, but please don't die. Ugh, but drop the pretense of a historical holiday, and for the love of God, don't make a craft project out of headdresses. I mean, make a craft project like a blanket. You know what I like? At least you can the use hand turkeys. Eh, I have weird hands. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> when it comes time to teach your child about Thanksgiving, you don't have to sugarcoat it. You can tell them that it's a cultural American holiday. You don't have to pretend we made friends with the Native Americans before we try to extinguish them. And support Native Americans in your community. They're everywhere. Yes, even here in Indiana. The Idle Jorg Museum hosts incredible events. Indian Market and Festival. We usually have a women's round dance. Mm -hmm. There's an American Indian program and Native American and Indigenous Studies Department here at IEPY. And yes, Plenty of Native Americans live, work, and study in Indianapolis, the city named after the state that is named Indiana, as in the land of the Indians. Also, don't forget they play here, too. You can take direct action, from resisting the pipelines to educating yourself in so many different ways, but you can't just do nothing. 
There's a piece of the idol drawer called Manifest Destiny. It's a quarter machine, like the ones you get gumballs from, only it looks like you can get a dollar if you drop a quarter in the machine. I'm going to just assume that I'm not getting a dollar. No, of course not. <laughs> Instead, you get the definition of Manifest Destiny printed on a sheet of paper. Can I get a real dollar instead? No. You can't get something for nothing. I Remember mean, that. I mean, I can if I do it illegally. <laughs> Again, I'm a criminal justice major. I don't do illegal things. Oh, my God. So it's time to go, but thanks for being patient and coming back. So keep up with our updated releases on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all linked in the description below like usual. And check back next month as we'll be releasing a surprising episode in December. We'll be taking a look back at the semester, which, as we've acknowledged, has been busy and at this point kind of feels upside down or mm -hmm. backwards. But plus, we'll be looking at topics we've covered and news we didn't get to touch on. We'll be <laughs> rehashing it out. Okay. One more thing is, guys, when you're listening to our podcast, you don't have to feel that you have to listen to them in order. You can listen to them out of order. Exactly. We do have topics that build on each other, but it's all information that you can get out of one mm -hmm. episode. They're all standalones. So please make sure that you're listening to every single one because we would like to know what you think of them and give us back some feedback. Yes, absolutely. After the December episode, we hope to release a survey mm -hmm. so that everybody who's been listening can pitch in, give ideas for next semester, tell us what they think. Yep. But that's it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, bye. Mm -hmm.